0: Hello, you're listening to The Consequential Podcast. I'm Dave. There's Roger. We brought cheeses. There's Lucy. What's up? Today we're talking about food, which is why we we have cheese. What is the podcast cheese this week? Today's podcast cheese is a Morbier. Tell us about the Morbier, Roger. You're making it sound scripted now. Well, it's not. I just sound like an asshole generally.
1: You do a bit.
0: I'm trying to sound earnest, which does not come naturally. I think that's where that's coming from.
1: Morbier is like a bastardized Comte, but it's got a what would have traditionally been an ash layer in the middle because of the squishy night milk.
0: Yes, if you've ever wanted to eat something made of something described as night milk without actually having to live in an H.P. Lovecraft narrative or fucking Silent Hill, Morbier is the cheese for you.
2: The milk of the night.
0: And what's the wine? Since we're oh, that's a perfectly standard Luigiado Beaujolais. Just your bog standard, what he said. Lucy, what have you read? Oh, I've read some
2: stuff. Goodness me, some stuff.
0: I good, saw a list. Good frickin' heavens. Indeed. Tell us about it.
2: So I read Andre the Giant by Box Brown. Yes. Which was one that you lent me. Yes. It was great. Isn't it though? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I already knew I was going to really like it because it's Andre the Giant. Yeah. Um, the bit where... He's on the set for is it Princess Bride? Yeah, and Robin Wright's cold and just gets like a hand mushed down on her. <laughs> She's like, what? But then she starts warming up. Yeah, it was lovely. I mean, it was sad, obviously, because it's Andre the Giant,
0: but yeah, he, he. So for anyone who's not familiar with the 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 man Andre the Giant, he was an enormous Franco Belgian uh, wrestler. The man, the giant. Yeah. Um, who wrestled in first of all France and then WWE in America plus Japan and, a lot he was very popular Japan. in Japan yeah <laughs> and he had a very strange uh, life he was um, had a condition that made him absolutely fucking gigantic he was and he stuck. carried on getting gigantic and yeah. like
2: eventually it killed him
0: yeah um, because it's a hormonal imbalance and eventually you just start sweating uncontrollably and all sorts of things and your
2: joints all kind of give in yeah
0: and, yeah as it is, he put it the very tall and the very short we do not last as long
2: uh, he was making a good point say. yeah um
0: yes um the the book it's sort of like it's fairly sort of simple iconographic style i
2: really really like the style so so that sort of kind of very clean lines that can be very expressive but also very cutesy is like right in my sweet spot Mm, mm. and there's a lot of kind of adorability like i never really found hulk hogan cute until i (laughs) run those yeah (laughs) they should
0: put that on the jacket
2: yes yeah i'll write to them
0: it's it's strange there's like there's a section where a bunch of them are flying off on tour all of these wrestlers and they're drawn in these sort of cutesy iconographic styles having massive fights on buses and planes Mm. And just drinking and raising hell. Yeah, in it's, an adorable fashion, and it's informative
2: too. And he went to school with Samuel Beckett. Yes, well, well, as in Samuel Beckett drove him to school in his truck. Apparently, apparently,
0: I've seen people arguing about whether or not this is true because it, it
2: seems too good to be.
0: Yeah, well, as as a friend of Rogers pointed out, Samuel Beckett would have fucking mentioned this because he was Samuel Beckett. It's true, and apparently,
1: it doesn't appear in his correspondence or something.
0: No, but their fathers did know... Or his father definitely knew Samuel Beckett. Mm. That's that's definitely true. I, I don't mean, maybe Samuel Beckett just out.
2: saw a lot of very large boys in his time, and this one didn't stand out.
1: Maybe. It's possible. Um,
2: I mean, at that point, he would have been big for a 12-year-old, but not a giant human. Yeah.
0: Mm. But I think it's fair to say you don't have to have the first interest in wrestling to find this Oh, Lord, no. It's, you know, the... the mm autobiography of a man who's seven foot six or something like that mm. It's called, biography of him is, is interesting in and of its own right
2: yeah and I was I was familiar with him already as a character sort of not from wrestling but from sort of human interest Hot stories culture, about yeah. him yeah and it always seemed like a very sort of like a lonely life really I think mm. it was it's hard, like you know he was on Johnny Carson or something talking about when he went to Japan he couldn't Like, he couldn't go to the bathroom because he couldn't get through the door and everyone was laughing, but it was also true. Aww.
0: Box Brown has a new uh, book out which I haven't read yet, but it's about the origins of Tetris.
2: That sounds amazing.
0: Hook me up. Yeah. Yeah, we all want to read that. Let's all read that. What else have you read?
2: So, the other thing I've been doing this week is catching up on, check please. Gay Hockey Pie Comics! Gay Hockey Pie Comics!
0: Which... In case you haven't picked up, is what we sometimes refer to as gay hockey pie comics.
2: It's one of Roger's favourites, it's one of my favourites. It
0: melts my wizened heart.
2: Actually, also mine. Like, one of the things I ended up sticking in our Google Doc this week was Mm -hmm. that it's one of the very few things that I engage with now that, like, can actually penetrate the petrified forest inside me that I've grown for my own protection. Yeah,
1: I interact with this the way... What is
2: it?
0: Is that because pucks are quite hard and quick?
2: No, it's because Those it reminds me of when of I
0: was
1: young. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think I think you said this in Google, didn't you? It's like um, it's sort of like being amenable to fandom again.
2: Yes, in a way that I absolutely cannot do with real fandom. Mm. But this captures enough of the sort of sweetness and light of fandom as I remember it, without the fucking awful yeah.
1: live journal drama. Well, I, I actually want to talk about what might happen in it. In a way that
2: yeah I, yes yeah. I find myself caring about the characters and speculating about the plot at a level I just yeah. don't really do with any other series. And this
1: is crazy because it's this frothy, slight, but but it's, oh, it's not slight. It's not actually. So 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 that's deep. the thing. It's it's so it's got a lot going on. It's not on the nose about it. It's
2: so kind-hearted mm. and gentle and full of pies, full of pies and pretty boys.
1: That feels when the oven. Gave in. Oh was it Betty or Bertha? He'd named the Betsy? oven Betsy I don't know. Betsy. He'd named the oven Betsy and it, it packed in. Mm. And they bought him a new
2: one. And they bought him a new one.
1: Because they like their weird little gay dude.
2: They like yes. Yes, it's 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 all the kind of wonderful accepting stuff mm. that fandom was trying to do that didn't see itself yeah. reflected in the world. And I guess I still don't really see the world as being as nice as this. This is still projecting no. some of that. So it's by um, Ngozi Okazu and um, she's got a pretty good like Twitter, Tumblr thing going on as well. So there's like a Twitter account for this kind of in universe with the Mm. characters. Tumblr, you get sort of kind of extra bits of like art and storyboarding and stuff, which is very nice.
1: She does, you know, the thing Kieran Gillen does when he puts up his writer's notes for an issue and it's sometimes brilliant and sometimes insufferable. Yes. She does like a really light, frothy, kind, non pretentious one of those. Yes.
2: And seems to have. It seems to. I mean, I haven't really delved into this a lot, but it seems to have a pretty good, healthy relationship with the fans, kind Mm. of taking questions and explaining stuff where it's not super obvious and talking about things like, how did you, a person who has never played hockey, get into hockey and stuff, which is good.
1: It also, it does this thing that, I I might kind of talk about this a little bit later, but Mm. this has only occurred to me because I was thinking about it in the context of one of the other things I've read this week, but it doesn't have that hardcore yaoi thing, or gay male story written by female author. I've got no idea what her sexuality is or is not, mm-hmm. but um, l- largely, but I, it's not just a gay story. But it, no, dude happens to be gay. But yeah, gay story. Strong
2: sub themes, subplots. Written
1: by a female author, um, in a slightly stereotyping way, in which the characters periodically, effectively look to the audience and say, "As one of them gays." Which you get quite a lot in the hour and you don't yes. seem to get, in, you know, things people have fucking thought about.
2: No, it's interesting. I, I sort of, I was thinking just then about what is it that drives women to make these gay stories? Because I was doing that myself mm. in, back in the fandom days, and some, I think, some of it was just that the same kind of relationship between a man and a woman just had a kind of latent violence about it. It was playing that out, sort of. Mm. In a kind of pretty and interesting and not all that threatening, but also kind of society turned upside down sort of way. Like you're, for me back then, it was playing around with a bunch of stuff that, mm. in reality, I knew basically nothing about. But it was kind of like a, almost like a kind of safe space to explore some of those feelings. Yeah, yeah. through pretty young dudes.
1: And one one of the original analyses of online slash. Mm. I read this piece analyzing the origins of slash that attributed much of its origin to Kirk's box stuff. Interesting. I don't know whether that's true, and it'd be hard to verify. It may made, it was because people will have been doing this for much longer than that. Yes. But let's take that one and run with it.
2: Baron and Shelley. <laughs> I bet they were.
1: Um, but one of the um, one of the things that this the, the, the argument of this piece was it was like a longish essay somewhere. One of the arguments it was making was. Um, It didn't pick up the sort of underlying violence and bad gender politics thing from the Mm -hmm. angle, but you did. It picked it up from a particular, from a separate angle, which is that the female characters in a lot of things were so badly written, Mm -hmm. and the relationships were so badly written that in order to put characters together that had any meat to both of them and that weren't just, where one of them wasn't just a tedious, shallow cipher, you kind of had to take your protagonist, and your protagonists would be two
2: dudes. The only people who were allowed to be emotionally complex were men, so if you yeah. wanted to write something emotionally complex involving a relationship, that became, kind of by necessity, a relationship between two dudes.
1: Totally this, this true is, about original series Star Trek.
0: This <laughs> is a thing that has been, um, has been bubbling up again in fandom quite recently. It's been quite a loud thing in that there is the sort of subset of particularly Tumblr fandom who, when they see a female... Or queer or person personal colour protagonist in any way behaving in a way they don't like, it's taken as a personal affront, the author has failed, etc., mm. etc., et and people are not allowed to be emotionally complex or messy or lead complicated lives, which. People are difficult you've even if they're to, to wonder if these people understand how drama works in any way at all. Like It's absolutely mm. fair to want to see you're self-represented in things and represented well but struggle is inherent to drama authors don't necessarily agree with characters
2: yeah
1: It's, it's, it's it's actually it's a common complaint about a lot of queer movies that for a long time you got to be a shallow queen or a tragic suffering AIDS victim. Mm. And then for a while you got to be a perfect representation of something slightly different to a conventional middle-class heterosexual man.
2: Which is where the kind of trans journey is going in media as well.
1: And at some point you will get to be a completely emotionally broken, low-functioning asshole, without it being a negative
0: representation of...
2: Which straight men have been allowed to be yeah. in fiction yeah. for decades, centuries, mm. millennia.
0: And it's, um, mm. it's a wonderful refrain and injection about this. Mm. Um, yeah. So there's Maria uh, Kirkbride, who is, you know, the sort of... Sandwich-needing kid- lady. Sandwich-needing, yeah. kick-ass lunatic lady. Um, who is, you know, she knows that she is viewed as a problem lunatic. And one recurring refrain in her thoughts and occasional speech is, why does Robin, the possible wizard, get to be uh, an otherworldly oh, genius? Like a, oh, I'm
1: a tragic
2: uh, young
0: wizard. Mm, mm. Yeah, and, and whereas she has, to be the, you know, she has to be the crazy lady, whereas he is a Byronic hero. Mm. Um,
2: and they're kind of the same and dealing with a lot of the same things.
1: Yeah. it gets a lot more interesting when you realise who's actually saying some of those lines. Uh,
0: well,
3: spoilers just spoilers.
0: <laughs> to to an extent, yes, but she also says them herself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not just the The thing with the stuff. Unnamed narrator, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Smooth. Yeah. Look, if people are listening to no. this they've 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 I've
2: read only read it. volume one. It's me that you're spoiling potentially. It's mm-hmm. in no, volume
0: one It's at the end of volume one.
2: It's at the end
1: of
2: volume yeah, one.
0: Yeah. And I've the, second, read the second volume one badly. And the second trade is out, so I think we're pretty clear. Okay. But... Um, but we still haven't said anything, so... Yeah, in the
2: clear, but we haven't said anything. But yeah,
0: it's a... It's, it's, this is a thing right now. There's a sort of... Um, it's sort of part of the sort of internet left-wing politics as well. There's the drive to see the, the protagonists of things or characters as ideological reflections mm. of people, which doesn't give them room to be bad, to make mistakes... Yes, because if something has to be popped up as an
2: example of why X thing that some people are scared of isn't inherently a bad thing, it always has to be perfect, else X bad people will think bad things bad or something. I won't
1: often, despite being from it, I won't often go out to bat to defend the fringes of the internet left, but like, the same, I imagine there's a roughly similar proportion of the internet left that does this as there is a proportion of the internet right that is super intent on fighting a straw man only version of the internet left. Sure. Mm. It's it's not. <clears throat> Some people aren't very well plugged into reality or to the necessities of drama. Fair enough, that'll happen.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know though. Check Please. We've just sort of gone off on one. Indeed, a bit. not um, um, sort
2: of unfairly because it's not really about Check Please.
1: It doesn't do any of the things we're complaining about and it's amazing at not doing them whilst having massive depth.
2: Yes, which is. One of the reasons why it gives me those great feelings mm. without all of the shitty bits of fandom. How much were you catching up on? Um, I had. They were like into year two by a bit mm. when I'd stopped, and I think they've f- just finished year two and entered year three. Yeah,
1: so I only. My catch up, I thought there'd be more, I think there's been a longer hiatus than I expected. Yes, my catch possibly. up was like five comics.
2: Right, okay, no, I think you. No, I, I haven't been back to it for a little while.
1: So I had, I think, I stopped just as, um, just as the smooching happened.
2: Oh, the smooching! No, yeah. the smooching was new to me. Mm. The smooching. Are we going to talk about it?
1: This goes deeper Did, than I thought. It's no, been it's been out for a while. I think we can talk about it's
2: it. It's been out for a while. Yeah. I mean, we can if you want. Because it's adorable, right? But, it's, problematic. It's adorable, but problematic. But I think smooching. I think
0: that it's adorable is is possibly enough.
1: Well, no, because we were talking about the whole thing of um, being invested in these characters and Mm. where it goes. And I think they're playing through some really... It'd be very interesting... It would be very easy to do this relationship story of dating a possibly but not necessarily self-loathing closet case with a media profile in a really crass way. But so far, it's felt quite sensitive. Depsy. Like, Mm. he's not quite an asshole.
2: But he's got a lot of unresolved problems that could easily take this thing off the rails.
0: Mm. Mm. Did you watch, um, not not a comic, but Sense8? Not yet. I keep meaning to. I did not. Sense8 did some of that stuff in a... a, That's a a Wachowski's thing, isn't it? It's both both Wachowski's and um, JMS. Interesting. And Mm. it's good. And I haven't liked pretty much anything any of those people have ever made, so... (laughs) um, I really enjoyed it, and it does a lot of the same stuff because it's pretty much entirely um, based around identity. Um, And one of the characters in that is a sort of macho film star who's who's um, closeted to the world but not to himself, and it's around how he deals with that.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. Interesting.
2: Go, just go and recheck yeah. please, is what I'm gonna say. Yeah. I, it's I, really good. It's one of it's 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 probably easily my favourite webcomic at the moment. It's got this thing as
1: well where it's it sort of set a bit around a frat house, a sports frat mm. house. And it's peopled with the sort of archetypes you'd expect there if the world was nice.
2: Yes, if the world were non horrible and sort of tuned slightly differently to the way that it currently is now, mm. this is how those sports people would be living.
1: You've got the you know, you've got the dopey dropouts, you've got the slightly burly ones, but they're not it's not malicious. It's not hegemonic masculinity untrammeled.
2: There's also just a lot of genuine open enthusiasm for the thing that they all like in a way that isn't couched in like broiness. Like they fucking love hockey and they're just totally open about how much they fucking love hockey and, and each I, other and that is great. And I quite like the hockey explanation comics. Oh yes, me too. I don't give a single shit about hockey and I don't like sports at all No. so yeah if you don't care about wrestling read Andre the Giant if you don't care about hockey read Check Please oh Check Please
0: oh what have you been reading oh
1: sorry just went into a Check Please referee
2: it's so easy
1: well I don't think Miss Boyce has finished
2: I think I have have I not oh was
1: everything else food
2: or Tilly Walden which I'll follow
1: well I have been reading Tilly Walden so um, Tilly Walton who um, we talk about a lot, because she writes a lot of stuff. Mm. Like I, I asked her, like, well, she has a new thing coming out. Um, I sent her an email about it. She was kind enough to reply, and one of the things I asked is, how on earth are you finding time for this?
2: <laughs> um, she's got a pretty rigorous publishing schedule. Yeah, by well, the a, a, in
1: a sort of slightly breezy, nonchalant way, it was kind of, yeah, it's pretty mad. I try not to let it drive me crazy but yeah there's a lot of stuff on so she's she, working
2: hard yeah
1: she's currently working on um, like a large book called I think Spinning which is sort of autobiography or semi-autobiography about mm. her th- like trying to be a figure skater years interesting and I think the reason she's got time to do the webcomic which is the thing that we are going to talk about which is called On a Sunbeam which is called On a Sunbeam and it's launching later this month. The reason she's got time to do that is because I think most of spinning is kind of in the can and she's into sort of polish and finish. So we've talked about her previous books. I uh, think
2: you've also occasionally got the problem. I mean, I definitely find this of when you're working on a project and it's working on starting a new one is extremely compelling. Yes.
1: <laughs> so I think her most recent published thing was City Inside, was it? City that?
0: Inside, which came out a couple of months ago.
1: Which, surprise, surprise, involves a kind of psychological extrusion of self-relationship with architecture and space. She has an interest in architecture, this is worked th- work through in a lot of her work. And On a Sunbeam is... It's
0: place, I think, as much
1: as architecture. Place, yeah. Is going to be a more complete interaction with that. Um, she, said, um, she said she hadn't really got all of the details completely fleshed out, but that it was going to be to an extent about engagement with place and space. And it's the story of this girl, Mia. There are two sections. Interestingly, for a webcomic, it's going to be large drops. So, the the preview that she was kind enough to send us is loosely, like on the long side, representative of what the drops are going to be. Mm. So, it's going to be, it's going to come in big chunks. Mm Rather than sort of single pages,
2: which I think is a much better format. That's delightful. I mean, so I've read, I've been reading a lot of webcomics recently, and they're all things that I've either read from start to finish, new or old ones that I've had a significant mm. gap from. I just can't do the page a week, page a day thing yeah. anymore.
1: It's much easier to maintain focus as a reader. Mm. Uh, and so there's there's this girl here, and the the two strands of the story: one when she's I think fourteen or so at boarding school, and one when she's in her twenties.
2: Some kind of space archaeologist. Yeah,
1: apparently. So again, according to I would say, well, getting her shit together in some unspecified way. Mm. So clearly something has happened in between. And the setting is, I think I described it as baroque architectural space opera.
2: Yeah, that's broadly.
1: So it is. It, it's, it's got that occasional sort of architectural draftsman-like feeling of some of. Um, her sketch work about buildings. Um, the sort of huge verticals of, of panelled rooms rising ahead of you. But quite often the ceilings are lopped off and you can see space through it and there are these spaceship things that look a little bit like slightly penis-y goldfish. And it's just kind of it's not really clear what's going on from the preview. The British sentence was, what, about 20
0: pages? Something like
2: that. 30-ish, yeah. yeah.
0: By the way, if you were listening to that and you sort of nodded as though you already knew what a penisy goldfish looked like, get help.
2: <laughs> get help. Or get help for your goldfish.
0: Yeah, yes. yeah you, your goldfish. You need either a doctor or a vet. Yes, <laughs> or a priest. <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, the, the, so it's a mere... mere I've hijacked your thing. You were talking about this and I completely hijacked it. Sorry. Was I? Anyway. Carry on. White man. Um,
0: They do that. We do that. It's
2: Mm.
1: terrible. We do do that. You do a lot of other bad things as well, though, so it's okay. I I haven't been personally involved in that many of them.
0: You started those fires. So many. Please continue. One of you. Samir is... um, there's, this inter- there's, a, there's a
1: cute little double structure in the, in the first one where it, the, each section opens with Mia, it's time to go, and she gets pulled away to some separate thing that's mm-hmm. slightly relocating her. And then you see through the windows that we're in a weird, baroque sci-fi world. Space
2: um, is just right there, but also it's like a really fucking old building.
1: Yeah. Twenties, um, Mia yeah, is part of a crew that restores old buildings or something. And it pulls some sort of yellows and warmer tones into the palette. And mm. Young Mia is at a boarding school that seems terribly austere, and she's trying to cut class. It's it's not totally silkscreen. It's beautiful, mm. I mean, as, as pretty much all of Tilly Walden stuff is, with the slightly washy colours, and it's a bit crisper in place. The space it's less washy.
2: works well. Lots of kind of big mm. black, white-studded stuff. Yeah. yeah,
1: and the kind of the rooms tumbling away into mm. nothing. It's. I'm really interested to see where this goes. I just
0: wanted to see them repair the building. To be honest, it's going to be uh, cool, right? Or to find out
2: how penisy the goldfish were.
0: Everyone, everyone's going to find that out.
2: Uh, there was one. There was one small thing that confused me, and it may be my mm. idiosyncratic reading style as much as Do anything tell. else. So at the beginning, um, she's holding like a kind of large mirror, holding like a large kind of pillow-like yeah. object or something. And the person who's walking her to her new job says, "I'm taking the kid to Alma." Mm. I thought the bundle was a baby, and then I was like, "Where did the baby go?" Later, and I had to go back and reread it and establish that there was no baby, and Mia was the kid. kid.
1: Because no, the baby yeah. would have
2: complicated things in a way that like, didn't really fit with mm. the rest of the narrative.
1: One of the things I'm really wondering about is exactly how... Fan- off the back of City Inside, exactly mm. how fantastical it's going to be. Mm. So she's wandering into these spacecraft that look like crumbling buildings inside, and she's carrying like the gear for a shit sleepover. She's mm. got like a dressing gown or something and a pillow. And inside it looks like a sort <laughs> of... It's a pretty
2: good sleepover.
1: Though. And inside it looks like a sort of tumble-down building rather than anything sci-fi. Mm. And it's kind of like... I'm wondering whether this is going to be some kind of projectional fantasy mm. or whether it is just going to be, as it feels like right now from the preview, just this sort of never explained N-Media mad space fantasy world.
0: Mm. It's, because yeah, because it's a series of, well, from everything we've seen so far, mm. baroque buildings on various scales floating on planetoids or asteroids in space. Yes.
1: And I, I enjoy in pretty much everything she's done, it's probably at its sharpest in City Inside, this sort of high-handed disdain <laughs> for, like, self-satisfied contextual detailism, mm. Mm. It, it's not... You get a, we talked about this in the fantasy cast, you get a particular sort of fussy, navel-gazing world-building sometimes. Mm. She, mm.
0: Her books seem completely uninterested in that, mm. I rather like it. Oh, it's, it's evocation rather than detail.
2: Yeah. Which I've always preferred the detail of the stuff you make in your mind from the evocation right
0: yeah you can you can do that yourself or I mean yeah that, that I mean it's a sort of a, a slight aside but there's detail in some web comics in the first three pages that you haven't found in 75 years of Batman people don't seem content to have their own headcanon they want everything filled in mm-hmm. yeah which is odd I find yes On a Sunbeam launches I think next week or towards the end yeah. of this month there's a preview that uh, oh, you Broken can see Frontier. on Broken Frontier, which we'll link to in the show notes. I mm-hmm. think it's the first six pages. Um, so we'll, we'll link to that. Read it. Yeah. It's oh, delightful. Yeah. I also enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. For the record. Hart, <laughs> huh, what else have you been
1: reading? Um, so I'll, I'll skip through this because we've got uh, you know a theme to get to. And also I wasn't that interested in the other stuff I read. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> So I read uh, Wolf, and I read Self-Obsessed, and sort of just briefly on each, really. Wolf is the uh, Alice Cott and Matt Taylor, isn't it?
0: For the first volume, Matt uh, Taylor, is yes. Dis- but
1: this is, it's a disgustingly talented team, and I'm sorry I expected a bit more. Um, mm. like it's, it's their... God, that was entitled, but they are both kind of awesome, and this is a little bit less than the sum of their talents only a little it's it's a paranormal LA noir fuck it it's um, it's Desolation Jones nailed to Sandman Slim but without being as fun as either
0: um, yes I don't I don't necessarily know that that sort of makes it sound like it's um, derived from Sandman Slim Which rather than not. ending up at it's the same, same place by
1: it arrives at the same conclusions as both so yeah where Desolation Jones has the intelligence community being beached in L.A., and, and, and Jones is a sort of underground fixer. This has a paranormal community beached in L.A., it's very idiomatically different, although it has the, exactly the same rhythm as the first Desolation Jones volume.
0: It's got the same rhythm, because they both read a lot of um, Richard Stark and Raymond Chandler, I suspect. Yeah, but and the stuff to was looking up at the sky and things
1: being weird, there's a lot of stuff. It, it wangs on about synchronicity and sort of foreshadowing in a way which very heavily tells you it's also about its own narrative I quite like that I enjoyed that tremendously in fact sorry I'm doing the I loved it it's shit thing aren't I
0: you're a little bit yes
1: um, <laughs> which way around is it for this one though I think it's it's shit but I loved it it's Possibly. not shit it's, it's quite good you said
2: Wang on but then you rescued it Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's quite good
0: there's a dude wind, wind on is something a friend of ours says rather than an extrusion of patriarchy
1: mm.
2: I meant more of Wengong having a sort of mildly negative connotation, but then him kind of uh. recovering it back in the day.
0: Alice Card is nothing if not wordy, and it's
2: it's all right. There's there's a
1: mystical fixer. He's solving a conspiracy among werewolves and vampires, and one of them's a racist. Huge um, racist. Huge racist. That's bad. Um, it's fine. It's kind of enjoyable. I. Did enjoy the art. I did enjoy the story. It's implicitly set in the same world as Alice Cott's *Change*, I think, which is weirder and more interesting.
0: I suspect, yeah, it is. Um, it's sort of slightly more mainstream than *Change*. And the, the storytelling in *Change* is sort of elliptical, mm. and it's a bit elliptical in this. Um, in it jumps around, and you end up places, and there's a lot of sort of skipping time or going back to things. Um, But yeah, some of its parts—that's the thing that keeps coming up. It just wasn't as. It also—it didn't have jokes where I thought it expected jokes, and it did have jokes where I thought it didn't.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, Sometimes that really works, and and sometimes it doesn't. It didn't sit quite right for me. Mm. Mileage variance.
0: I don't. So I think the the issue that I come up to with it is not that it's not smart, but it's just less fun than I was hoping for.
1: So, the, is the, the Rivers of London versus um, Shadow Police problem. You've got Ben Aronovich's River of, Rivers of London novels and Paul Cornell's Shadow Police Fallen London novels, right. which are, broadly speaking, the same thing. Only one of them is going out of its way to be gritty and, despite having occasional jokes, and despite being just as dark a premise. And it's just not fun. Like, taking that premise and making it not fun without... Adding enough gravitas to carry it out the other end into mm. genuinely
0: interesting mm. is a thing. You can do weird with noir. You can you can do weird and not apologise for it. Black sad. Yeah. Fatal,
1: although gender politics.
2: Um,
0: or something like the the version of the Big Sleep that they set in London. Or kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, Or Robert Altman's version of The Long Goodbye, which sort of moves all of the action into the 70s and uh, makes Marlowe kind of a weird slacker, and yet the whole thing still works, because he can still bumble around in a a rumpled suit, and that's fine. Um, And Casanova as well, um, Matt Fraction and the um, brothers... Uh, Bar and And Desolation mm, Jones, which yeah. is just much better than this. I think it's. I know they're trying to do different things, but it's really hard not to compare them. It's it just for me. It just didn't it didn't cohere in, in in a way that I found fun.
1: Anyway, you know it's fine. It's it's a comic you can read. It's moderately enjoyable. I'm being needlessly negative. I think. You are a cranky are you Needlessly <laughs> negative,
2: Nancy. I
1: am. Speaking of which um, Sina Grace's Self-Obsessed is um, painful it's it's someone quietly eviscerating themselves with this really awkward mix of like showing us their own self-eviscerating to the point of showing us their own horrifying juvenilia. it's this kind of what's-and-all autobiographical it's like an autobiocomic but it's also an anthology book where the contributors are different phases of him
2: interesting
1: ah which is a slightly better pitch than the execution. Um, I enjoyed Not My Bag. It had a much more consistent tone because this has an almost anthology feel. The tone is sort of choppy and all over the place. On the other hand, I did read it while I was in a foul mood, so I probably didn't do it justice. Um, it's Sire talking about his childhood, his origins as a cartoonist, sort of failed relationships, the stuff he sort of he likes to cover here and there. It's a very well done, but deeply, viscerally uncomfortable diary comic, basically, mm. or autobiocomic.
0: And that's fine. Is it finished at this point? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's, yeah. Um,
1: it's... It was got, collected. I happen to have it lying around. I, I read it. I've been vaguely interested because I like self-obsessed, and it was downloaded onto one of my devices, and I read it because um, I was in a hotel with the worst Wi-Fi connection I'd ever encountered, and it was, like, the only thing I hadn't read that was still downloaded when I couldn't get it anything else and all. I downloaded this for a reason. I was going to read it. Let's square off and actually read the fucker.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. But adversarial towards Wi-Fi isn't always the best place to come out of comic. Yeah, being, from. being
1: being pissy and entitled. At and the this is the only real option. Yeah, when you're getting irrationally entitled at the broadband connection of like a small hotel halfway up a mountain, you you, you should probably I don't know check, check yourself before prevention. you read yourself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you're right. Who wants to talk about food? Haven't you done any reading? Probably. Let's check the list. I'd say pretty much everything I read was um, on the topic, uh, apart from um, Southern Bastards, which I almost caught up with. Uh, it's still good. Um, it's by the Jasons. It's by the
3: Jasons Darius.
1: Latour and? Aaron. Mm. Um, we, we spoke about this for the Isles, didn't we?
0: For the what? The Eisners. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? I, I don't know what an isner didn't we is. <laughs> the <and> <laughs> the Eisners <laughs> didn't we? Christ, how much do
1: I have to enunciate for you fuckers?
2: Do you have the problem of whenever you enunciate, people assume you're mad, or very posh? Well, that's the problem I have because I think posh sounds mad when you enunciate. <laughs> it. If
0: I enunciate, people assume that I'm angry. Yeah, same. Like why are you talking like that Daisy's really?
2: always like I can't hear you I can't hear you stop stop why <laughs> I'm like...
0: when
1: I when I enunciate it properly it's just Bertie Wooster.
0: that is presumably because you that's what you chose as a child <laughs> asking people to distract your aunts I like, well, have you met my aunts no don't want to no they're actually lovely but mm. yeah but I just have no social reason to Yeah, that no, so I reason. already met your dad that was enough
2: yeah a bit weird
0: Southern buses is still good. One would ask you about cooking, the other would get you drunk. Let's move on to I'm talking s- about- And you're a blend of your family, you say? <laughs> it's a spicy melange of the two.
2: <laughs> spicy melange is my new stripper. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Oh, if only I had the capacity and capability for sex work, I don't know.
1: Melange is what Austria calls a flat white.
2: Really? Yeah. That's weird. Like how Macedonia means fruit salad in Spain.
1: I'm sorry, what?
2: (laughs) Like Macedonia de frutas is like mixed fruit flavor. Wow. Or like fruit salad flavor. Like you get yogurt, Macedonia flavored yogurt. It's a spicy idiom. Yeah.
0: Now that we've established several things that are muy picante. (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's get on to talking about uh, food comics.
2: I'm not letting you have that. I will. Actually. I'm going to spoil this for you. I'm feeling generous. I How vote. I, I, for a I while? vote.
0: I vote that we do. Let's continue. Oh,
1: outvoted.
2: I'm feeling yeah, generous. I'm
0: sorry, the fact that it's a three-person show allows us to do a democracy.
2: Badly, like all democracies. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But if one of us wasn't here, it would be a fight to the death.
2: It's true.
1: Like uh, that time we talked about cheese and gay stuff.
2: Yeah, and fought each other to the death. And we're yeah. both ghosts now because we both killed each other at the exact same time. And now you have just been haunted by us in this podcast. Is you're just talking about being haunted? It's not ectoplasm, it's fondue.
0: Gay fondue. <laughs> so who
2: wants to introduce <laughs> us to
0: some comics about food?
1: We're covering food comics because... Well, we've all got at least some degree of interest in food, I think. We
0: all, we all ingest nutrients.
1: Mr. Mr. Conberry and I are notorious gastroponsors. Um,
2: I've taken to cooking more when yeah. I have time. The trouble is the standing and the energy.
1: Mm-hmm. And your ceaseless and deep fascination with cheese. I is
2: found myself a, thinking today, I wish I'd bought fewer vegetables and more cheese. Yeah, this is, this is good, right? This is, this is,
1: You'll this know is for next time. Yep.
0: I suspect you already knew.
1: Yeah. and there's there's a few there's I sort of I'd become vaguely aware of a few food comics because you you know you hear about things. Um,
0: because we've been doing a comics podcast for over three
1: years. Well sure, but also some longstanding some long standing ones. Um, and we put we put food on the list, but never really got to it because there never seemed to be quite enough. And some of that's us not already doing our homework. For sure. But because um, yes, if, if you go manga or if you go Franco-Belgian, basically if you go to the bits of the world where it's just fucking culture, it's not in its comics ghetto, then it turns out that everything's covered somewhere.
2: Or if you go web, which is the other default yeah. place to find shit that you couldn't yeah. find a print.
1: And So I went manga on this a little bit, and I don't think any of us went Franco-Belgian. You went web. Perhaps. I went web. Um, but there's this thing that I'd spotted a while ago, which is instructional food comics. And insofar as I'd ever engaged with them, they were unflinchingly terrible. Mm. And I'd sort of regarded it as an inherently shitty, lossy informational medium, like just not, not lossy, um, really fucked signal to noise, mm. like if, if you draw a comic about how to do some stuff you'll show lots of stuff you don't need to, whereas a really pithily well written recipe... I don't think I'm making any sense.
0: Well, okay, so let's look at um, books what, that have recipes in. What sorry, where I was
1: going to go with that is that I thought it was a write-off and then Chew came along, which is not a recipe comic, but it's a comic about, in a weird sort of cockeyed way, about a loving food and food experience.
2: It's, it's about food in a serious way, but not mm. in the same way that most comics that are serious about food are about food. Sorry, that was the same <laughs> words a lot in a slightly different order.
0: No, um, oh, you rescued him.
2: Thanks. Yeah.
1: And, and, yeah, I think there's... Um, well, we'll talk about recipe comics and why some of them suck and why some of them don't. But mm. food experience comics, both the kind of like mad, the, the, the crazy ass shit like Chew, and or the grim crap like Starve, but also you've got like life experience food stuff, or you've got yeah almost journalistic food so stuff. So many
2: different angles on it.
1: Um, I think, unless we argue this around changing my mind, my broad view on this is that. Recipe comics, pure recipe comics, are basically bollocks. But, but actually, there's some really cool other stuff.
0: Well, we haven't actually tried cooking from any of the recipe comics. Um, we could. And we've been threatening to do it for a while. I think we should pick a book each and do something. We've got enough now. We've well, got how the
1: challenging do we want to be? So, Cook Korean,
0: yeah. actual cookbook, looks Ooh. credible.
1: So we've got Silver Spoon as well. Dayton's Action Cook Strips. Yeah. But well, that's just going to be Graham Care, but with pretty... But with, with bad cartoons. Right. Well, That's going to be
0: horrible 70s food. No, Len, Len Dayton basically introduced people to classic um, French and Italian food in comic book form. Um,
2: Roger is pouring wine silently, actually. He is, say. he's doing a
0: very good job of it, and he's licking himself also reasonably silently.
2: He looks proud like a beast, and he yeah. should be.
0: No, the Len, the Len Dayton stuff stands up surprisingly well, so. I mean, yes, there's a prawn cocktail in there, but it's a well-made prawn cocktail.
2: we have also got, like, the student manga cookbook, That's. which looks like the, <laughs> a huge turd on the face of humanity. Oh,
0: Christ. Can we just talk about that for a minute? <laughs> yeah, I can't really stop you, can I?
1: Oh, <laughs> God. So you, you found this. Um, I found this I'm by in mistake.
2: Um, yeah, a terrible
1: mistake. So the, the Someone front... published it by mistake.
2: Yeah, the front cover is too sort of... Bland looking manga characters, the girl's got long pink hair, the dude is just a vaguely like he could be like in Pokemon or something And they're holding out a plate of what is some bad looking, badly photographed pasta with tomato sauce and a cursory sprinkling of cheese And I just Those think no, students know it would be better if you ate takeaway <laughs> Go to your local kebab shop, they need your money
0: Can I also point out that the female character in it is called Sushi Oh fuck <sighs> Student cookbooks the best of time are not good. good.
1: <laughs> I was going to say so when, when we worked in a bookshop we would frequently lament the horrible student cookbooks
0: because they were and the cooking for men yeah. stuff. Invent- Unfortunately
2: patronising yeah. and shit. Patronising and not helpful. Mm. Like, you do can make fajitas for four people if you follow this simple recipe. If, if you care enough I have three other people I want to make fajitas for. I want yeah. to make fajitas myself. You can off. make the
0: quantity of fajitas for four people and, and then eat just it over four days or all, one day. Yeah.
2: Mm. Or any number of
0: days. That's true. <laughs> It's up to you. Well, don't off. go beyond like four or five.
1: No. Like if, you, if, you, if you care enough, mm. then it's probably, it's, 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 it's basically a lack of market research. If you care but you don't know anything, this won't help you because the entry level instruction is so bad and it's really patronizing. Yeah. If you care and you do know you're not buying this. If you don't care and you don't know, this isn't gonna convince you. Yeah. And mangering it up ain't gonna get anyone through the door. Especially because this manga is terrible like early two thousands cash in manga. Yeah, well except except
0: except manga. you're not selling it to the person who's using it, you're selling it to their parents. Or
2: grandma. Yeah. It's, it's this is well, like, well-meaning aunt or
0: family-grand. Your, your grand is buying this for you. Yeah. It stands I like, like the comics. comics. It stands <laughs> out on the shelves when you're, you're being sent off to university. They mm. can grab it when they're buying bedding and, and pans in a faff. So so the,
1: I didn't read it, but I skimmed through the Amazon preview and then looked at mm. the reviewers have photographed the pages. Yeah. Which, like, maybe some kind of TOS violation, but fuck it. it mm. Let me skip through it and see how terrible it was. And the recipe foregrounded by the official Amazon preview Is them attempting to do chicken kievs and i'm looking at this and i'm thinking a if you're actually on a student budget you're not buying half the things on that list b you're not explaining the core techniques that are required for this and the thing that you're showing the way you're showing it in the bad cartoon is going to lead to someone cutting their fingers off yeah you're not answering the questions people would need to ask it's a terribly written cookbook it's terribly drawn cartooning it's badly targeted at the market this is the kind of shit that gives cooking comics a bad name it's kind of we have shitly graphed the cooking mm. process without thinking about what a visual presentation. Mm. Cookbooks are inherently visual, or at least they have become visual, they're so dependent on photography that you very rarely see technique shots. And when you do that, usually either knife porn mm. or actually useful, showing you something that you wouldn't, might not necessarily get right or that you might wonder, wonder about
2: if done... you can interpret what they mean by that in the first place, yeah. which I seldom can. This hasn't done
1: any of that thinking. And a lot of the food comics that I've seen, the, the recipe comics, have this exact problem just not as bad.
2: But also, if you're a student and you want chicken kievs, you best fucking bet you can get several in a box for a pound in the frozen section. That's yeah. going to be cheaper time and money-wise. Yes. Don't invest in There's a reason. chicken kievs you've made yourself. There's a reason, ch- and they're
1: not necessarily going to be better anyway, because it's not that good for your base. It's garlic like, like butter and fried yeah. chicken. There's a reason a lot of pre-prepared food is so widely consumed, and it's because it's fucking cheap.
2: Yes, there's a reason people don't make their own pasta most of the time. It's time and labour yeah. intensive, even if it is cheap and not that hard. I don't
1: make my own pasta, and I'm, like, an astronomical anchor. Yeah,
2: you're that guy, and you own a pasta-making machine. Yeah, I make pasta three times a year. Yeah. Um, so Your
0: birthday, Christmas, and...
2: Mexican wrestling day. Frostis? Which is tomorrow. September, it is tomorrow. Yeah, official Mexican wrestling day. Is it? The Mexican Senate has just announced that tomorrow is going to be el día de la lucha. That came around fast. It did, didn't it? Did? it? They only announced
0: it on the 14th. Yeah. Did not oh. give me time to prepare. i only
2: had a week to prepare for Mexican wrestling day. My cape's
0: not even clean.
2: Damn it.
1: Well,
2: that's just inconsiderate. Um, we'll so, know for next year, Mexican government. Please don't spring any more surprise festivals on. us, especially not this important. Um, so something that I thought was interesting, you just went off on one of our student cookbooks. Sorry. And no, 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 no. It was entirely justified. I didn't disagree. Um,
0: and we can't stop you.
2: That's true. Legally. You could if you had enough gaffer tape. One of the things I noticed reading a bunch of different recipe comics was the sort of audience they were pitching it to. So we've just kind of covered students mm. as group who maybe can't cook. So there was one that I thought... Might have a, an interesting use case and was relatively well done for certain people, and that one was Cooking Comically by mm. Tyler Capps. Right. If you are someone who genuinely enjoys Reddit and would normally eat a lot of processed food, this might actually be helpful. Interesting, say more. So it was mostly stuff that I had very, very limited interest mm. in. It was very kind of meat heavy, desserts heavy, sort of ribsy, beefy type things. Like a
1: blokey food blog
2: yeah kind of presented in a kind of like boss awesome sort of tone that if you can handle that is fine stake broke yeah um but the instructions i think were genuinely good it had a really good kind of visual representation of what you needed and how much of it you needed and then it kind of took you through what you needed to do in each segment to do it and it was sort of Varying intensities of food There was, you mm. know, kind of a couple of cheesecakes He had like how to make the kind of American style hash mm. browns Up to slightly more advanced Each thing has a difficulty rating Which is not just a bar but an explanation Like a sort of pop culture ah. This is roughly how much kind of mental time and energy you need to put into this thing to make the food If you want the food And I thought there's probably a segment there For whom that's actually a really great thing
1: Know your audience, do it well Yeah. Insofar as it was aimed at anyone who had thought through it A lot of the stuff I'd read, um felt like it was aimed at pre-existing foodies as a lot of recipe books are mm. i think quite often the stuff that aims at beginners but doesn't think about it is where it goes wrong
2: but then your established foodie needs less of the instructional shit yeah. presumably this is more yeah. about how you yeah. get to an end result that they might not have thought all the way through or well, so, so the, the you army... count the korean stuff in there or I was just
1: about to Sorry. yeah that's one of the two things i was going to talk about but uh, <laughs> because what that's doing is talking to people that know food about food they may not know yes Which is always an interesting kind of fusion of the problem. Mm. But yeah, like so the high-end example of this, um, if you fuss and obsess about food and recipe books, you may or may not be familiar with Le Repertoire Cuisine, the escoffier influence recipe index that is basically a combinatorial multiple-lookup cookbook. Mm -hmm. It's 200 pages, it's slightly smaller than A5, and it contains several thousand recipes because each one is expressed as a string of single words Mm -hmm. that you have to look up elsewhere in the book. And eventually it takes you back to french base sources or original prep techniques. Mm-hmm. So do this, 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 and this. You look up each of those thises, they each have...
2: A this, this, and yeah. this. And, and if
1: you are a proper... Well, not proper, because it doesn't exist anymore, and it's always bullshit. If you're a classically trained, self-obsessed, navel-gazing French chef, yeah. you can look at one of the end descriptions and say it's that sauce plus that preparation in that way. You read the one-line description. Oh, this is how you kind of do.
2: procedurally for actually generate yeah.
1: your food. Yeah.
0: So it's it's the it's the lookup table for procedural Escoffier. Eh? Yeah. Um, Which is fine if you know you've got chicken chicken stocks one to nine, you've got yep, yep, yep. butter colouring one to nine. And if you've already gone through a bit of chef training, that's okay. That's and that's change. the and that's the harrowing end game of mm. food writing for people who already know
1: food. Yeah. It's joyless, it's fucking horrible, and most of the recipes are disgusting. But um vive la France <laughs> The, ni- the nice version is where Nigel has ended up right now.
0: Yes, which is just really off the cuff. Put some
2: nice stuff on toast. Put I've this got a lot of vegetables. Yeah. I like twinks. Yeah, but I really like know. the sorry Nigel.
0: The older the older books of his um, were what I told myself to cook with. Yeah, because there was enough instruction around why you would do something, like why you would brown something slowly, why you would deglaze a pan, that sort of thing, built matching-y. into stuff you already wanted to make. Yeah. Um, it was really mm-hmm.
1: useful. So my favourite two sort of instructionally recipe things I've seen. One um, was Cook Korean by um, Robin Robin Ha. Ha. And I think you read some
2: of her online stuff. So yes, I read what she had on Tumblr, but Mm. I didn't read the book.
1: So the book is a post-factor collection. She started writing the blog as her exercise. She trained as a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And she started writing the blog. She'd already learned to cook. She had a bit of a charmed revelation about cooking when she spent some time in Italy. Mm -hmm. And then it was like jonesing for Korean food. Mm -hmm. Is this when she moved to Brooklyn and there yeah. was no good Korean yeah, food unless she went into Manhattan? Yeah, thought she couldn't cook it, asked her mum for some recipes, taught herself Korean food, mm. wrote a blog about it, created a character. It's kind of I And cool. went really quite
2: hard for it as well, like mm. making her own kimchi, kind of yeah. hard for it. She makes it seem easy to I know, me. I but I don't I can... believe it because pickling is inherently difficult. Yeah, so I gives... don't want
1: botulism. Yeah, so I look at that and think, so, wow, I thought that sounded hard, but actually it's fucking trivial. You look at that and think, I'm going to die.
2: Yeah, but mostly because of botulism. Yeah. After I don't a dishwasher, trust myself. I can sterilise things. Exactly.
1: Mm. I brew beer. I'm.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't trust myself yeah. in pickling. Mm. <laughs> but it, it's. Um,
1: so, what, one of the things she does is. There's things I've seen in a lot of instruction food comics, which is this idiom of ingredients floating in space, sometimes with funny faces drawn on them. Yes. Which initially annoyed me, but her version isn't annoying. Cuc- cucumbers and yeah, shit, yeah. Cucumbers. I will, yeah. And.
0: Um, Democracy. It's let the record show that I'm flipping him off flipping flipping anyway there's a few
1: there's a few problems with some of the instructional food comics that she solves quite well in, in quite a heavy handed but it works way like sometimes the um, visual flow isn't very clear and she sorts this out by basically drawing lines between the sections yes but it works she's got an eye for the space mm-hmm. um she shows little technique bits that kind of... She, she shows the right things. Sometimes people just show cute pictures of ingredients and it doesn't work. The recipe explanations are pretty cool. It's, and the, the background bits about, hey, this is some history of Korean food are also yes, engaging. Yes, which is also
2: great. I really
1: don't like her use of colour. I think it's a bit... Uh, you ever been to an exhibition on a no. Have seen, seen a lot of that like early modernist for this stuff?
2: No, I've tried to avoid it really. Mm,
1: okay. It, it, <laughs> I need to find another idiom for describing what I think is wrong with it. Um, no one here knows what you're talking about. Well, Fauvism was the early modernist. Do I need to do with it? Shall I just stop?
2: Find a different word to describe what's wrong with it.
1: Uh, the background salience is really high. The colour use is incredibly high contrast. Mm. It has lots of colours really close together in the same place and I can't even see colours like if you can fucking see colour differentiation this must look insane to you um, it feels cluttered and crowded in a way I respond to badly
2: yes I know what you mean I found the colours a little overbearing as well hmm. but um,
1: was... the two page thing here's a two page cartoon recipe with a good explanation and a good ingredients list which is
2: how it started it started as banchan in two pages banchan being the Korean little lots of little side dishes that you have with rice yeah. and standards um, and yeah, the, the whole premise was I'll do a two-pager on a whole bunch of these. What did you make of it? Um, I liked it. So the pro- one of the main problems I have with any kind of food or recipe thing is unless it's laser targeted at me, including my like dead stuff I won't eat and like vegetables that give me the shits, like mm. there ends up being relatively little that I could mm. conceivably do, mm. and then from that list it gets even shorter when I think, could I actually ever be fucked to cook there? So the only one of hers that came close was the chilled cucumber soup, mm. which sounded really good. I'm really into cold soup and also cucumbers, um, cucumbers are good. And, like sesame oil and shit. Mm, you have you had the
1: cucumber thing at Ipudo?
2: No, I haven't been to a Pudo, But I Can had a really good. And I'll make it for you. I had a really good cucumber and pear kimchi at a Korean Ooh. place in Victoria, but it started smelling a lot of toilets, so we stopped going.
1: Your you thing about kind of working for your food idiom. Mm. This, this is a, Robin Hans um, cook Korean, and her online strips are mm. definitely aimed at a slightly more. Well, they feel like they're aimed at a more accomplished cook.
2: And it's they, pickling, it's making semi-complex things. It involves either buying or making stuff yeah. you wouldn't be inherently familiar with. And they might
1: put some people off. She does a really good thing in the intro to the ingredients. She makes that feel approachable to me. So mm. Korean is a... I'm, I'm a moderately comfortable cook, but Korean is something I know nothing about. And it made me feel welcomed to that. I'm sort of the other way around in that I've eaten a lot of Korean, mm. but I'm less of a confident yeah. cook. And then on the other side, but in a very similar video a visual idiom... Was um, Lucy Byron, I think it is, uh, Food yeah. Baby. Now, this was an exclusive in Zainab Short Box. Mm. Have we talked about Short Box before? I can't remember. We haven't, no. Probably, so, no. Short Box is what Zainab is doing at the moment where she's producing a curated selection, I think it's quarterly, selection of comics that you can sign up for and they come in a box. Mm. She sends you a box of comics, you give her like 30 quid or 20 quid, I can't remember what she does. You also get sweets. That's good. Yeah, it's just lovely. Um, it comes beautifully wrapped, it's beautifully presented, not that that matters so much. But, it, it, it,
0: but it it's helps, nice, but it's it? nice when, when something's yeah. been curated. It's this it's insanely
1: thoughtful thing that comes through your letterbox. Well, to the post room, it's too big for my letterbox, so mm-hmm. i got going to deliver it delivered to work. But it's um, a selection of indie comics. And the thing I hadn't realised, I thought it was just selected, but she's basically become an independent publisher. Mm. These were almost all commissioned damn like funded from so they're zine it's like small a lot of them are small zines or small publications. this is the
2: shit that we could afford to do if we actually gave a crap about content yeah damn
1: like I, I, Zainab has collected a bunch of stuff that I really hope I'm pronouncing her name right um, no time for shame here white man <laughs> sorry <laughs> that is exciting and fun um, that she wants people to care about and that she's gone and got funded and posted mm. to us uh, I've, I've only through some of the stuff in the one that arrived because it turned up just before I went on holiday. Mm-hmm. But I grabbed Food Baby by... Um, it is Lucy Byron, isn't it?
0: Yeah, also known as Lucci. Yes, she's right.
1: Belgian, I think. Or living in Belgium, something like that. Um, Belgian
2: or Belgium adjacent.
1: Belgium is somewhere in the story. Yeah. Maybe she looked at Belgium once, I don't know.
2: From a distance.
1: Um, but uh, she does these... Slightly cutesy. Her visual style is like um, her characters look a bit like peanuts. It's kind of mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's cute and it's fun, and it, it's very much self-taught cook stuff. So the preamble sort of says, "Look, when I moved to, when I lived, first lived on my own, I could barely hold a knife. I still cut myself in the kitchen. I'm making this shit up as I go along, but here's what I love about food."
2: Which is reassuring if you're yep. not already the super poised, confident yep. chef.
1: And it ranges between some things that I'm like, hey, that's quite cool, and then just kind of, here's what I like to do with instant ramen to make it suck less.
2: Yes. Is it pour tofu into that shit? Yeah, an egg egg on, vegetables. on it yeah, yeah. In it? Yeah,
1: and it, it's kind of, there's little ode to eggs. Bang an egg on it. And it's got that kind of objects floating in space, diary comics, food comic style. And it's like, considering how cute it is, it's a miracle I like it. Hmm. But it's got this constant self-ironizing tone. It's called Food Baby. Mm. She has a... Some of them are on her Tumblr. Mm-hmm. But the, the the collected thing for Shortbox is called Food Baby. It's like 30, 40 pages. Mm-hmm. It's a little A5 thing. Really nicely produced. Um, has a little intro story about her having a condition with her nose that meant she couldn't smell properly. And then okay. it got fixed. And she suddenly just loved food. Understood food, food yeah. Um, taught herself to cook. Became kind of crazy about intense flavors. And, yeah, it's... It's just charming, and it's constantly self-ironizing. Mm. So this, this thing about, um, you know how you've had this happen where you're just too hungry, but you're too lazy to go out for food, and so you just realize you have to starve to death?
2: Yes. Yes, <laughs> and, I have
1: had that. And it's got that constant, and then the, the, little, the, little, the little panel is, is her on the phone saying, yes, takeaway person, all your pizzas, please, <laughs> and extra cheese. Uh, it's just kind of...
2: How does she know me?
1: <laughs> it's got this wonderful self-ironizing tone as it tells you these slightly breezy, slightly self-deprecating mm. things about food. And would I cook some of the recipes? No, probably not, because I'm a tremendous snob. Mm. But
2: like it. But you're also a tremendous snob who can understand that not everybody's going to be where Mm. you're at and can see the journey through there, and this fits in somewhere along the way.
1: There's this blog post that I keep pointing to written by a lady whose name I keep forgetting, but she writes on a blog called North South Food, which Mm. is this, um, which I will put in the show notes when I dig it out is a rant about the embodied capital and experience, effectively the embodied privilege required Mm. to cook. Yeah. it's her rebuttal to oh, the poor don't know how to cook
2: they just eat sugary junk food it's so easy to cook cheaply No, it's I lived fucking on nine not. pounds a week but I already had a full of these stocked spice rack and a chicken I pulled myself a stock exactly, like, what
1: if you're feeding hmm. an electric meter what if you don't have time what if you don't live near a supermarket or a farmer's market what if,
2: but if you or, can't physically carry stuff yeah. in bulk which is the cheapest bet yeah. because you yeah. don't have a vehicle and you don't have physical strength or you have like a mobility yeah. issue what yeah. well, if
0: you don't choose to learn to cook instead of doing a proper degree that might just be me
1: it's the, the sort of, it's a really really good rebuttal to that um, this well, totally reminded me of that a bit the sort of like this don't be, be pushy for, about it yeah. don't be entitled about it
2: and I think that's where that's where Cooking Comically is coming at to some degree it's I can help you do slightly better than processed in a few fairly easy steps. I'm not going to... But don't stop doing that, and I'm not going to revolutionise your thing. This is, like, something helpful on the way rather than a great big thing to aspire towards that you're miles away from. I think it's also the... What you were just talking about, the sort of the privilege of being able to cook in the first Mm. place is also... Well, it's it's that thing of not understanding that not everything is possible for all people at Mm. the same time. I think if which is an easy trap to fall into if nothing's been too difficult for you yeah
0: so we've looked at a lot of books that are sort of around recipes um we've got Cookery in and the manga student cookbook which none of us could actually bring ourselves to touch um and i've got silver spoon which is essentially meant to be a children's version of the italian cookery bible and possibly passes at that i can hardly judge because i already know how to make a lot of things in it and Have that inherent privilege. If
2: you were an Italian child, would you have found it useful? It's in English. (laughs) If you're a precocious Italian (laughs) child. Um,
0: I don't know, because again, it has the problem where you illustrate something and you say, this is how you uh, do it. You know, chop the carrots like this, but then you have a really indistinct illustration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chop the carrots
2: like this, it's an orange blob.
0: Yes. So, to be honest, if I was a precocious Italian child, I think it would be easier to learn what Sofrito was from... Grandma? Yeah, or a photo. Yeah. This is my big problem
1: with a lot of these things, is that...
2: It's a bad medium for it, broadly. It can be done well, but it often isn't. So I thought I was going to
1: get to say something about... Food is one of the... As a creative medium, food incorporates so many senses. mm but uh, even to an extent, sound sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I could like fuck on for hours about food, multi-sensory experience, as set against its transience, as compared to other art forms. Mm. I'm not going to do that. I'll spare you all that fatuous bollocks. But when we <laughs> remember when we talked about Wikdiv and the attempt to condense a thing about the experience of music into an into a completely non-auditory medium. Yes. So that right, like yeah. right. food is visual, comics are visual. Food is not narrative, comics are narrative. Like you, there's a there's a sensory mismatch, which could either be interesting or awful. Mm. And in general, my feeling is that a lot of recipe comics completely fail to transact anything out of like the show tell thing that you get. Like they, it it just feels like a missed opportunity to be more than the sum of the parts of it. To take advantage of the the words, pictures, confluence, and to have something emerge out of that, whereas a lot of the food narrative comics, mm. the food memoirs, or the pseudo journalistic things like Oshinbo, mm-hmm. um, I think do it When we're when we talking about Oshinbo, so Oshinbo is the um, Japanese uh, like food
0: soap, I guess very long running familial drama plus food comic. Mm. That's by been... I've forgotten their names now.
1: Uh, yes, Tetsukria and Akira Hanasaki. And there's like a, we, we talked about it on previous podcast, there's a bajillion volumes. The English edition is, I think, like 710 volumes, 8 volumes, something like that. And that's it's, a collected highlight. It's, it's a collected best of.
3: Yeah.
1: In as much as there's a story, it's about this guy, Yamokura, a slightly slacker journalist with an antagonistic relationship with his gourmand father, trying to write the perfect food column, essentially and each, each issue is him either being taught or, or teaching someone a lesson about a food misconception like either he gets one over on dad or gets schooled by dad or the same thing with a colleague and it, mm. it's it's kind of a really slight narrative structure but it does this thing that i really like which i think i phrased as sort of a pseudo depth of field effect last time we talked about it where it's got a very loose very light cartooning style and then it pulls into this very tight hyper detailed focus on some of the food mm. And so, some of the like mise en table kind of food presentation stuff that it it shows is almost photographically crisp, but with these really cool manga light and shade effects, mm-hmm. the sort of sh- the, the, yeah.
0: Um, if you're playing along at home, mise en table does mean that you have bingo. And thank you, Mr. Combray. I, I, we also had some Beaujolais, so they may have they may have scored earlier.
1: Um, and Yamaka's lectures, or his dad's lectures about food accompanied by these kind of intricate bits of food portraiture and then the reactions of the people around them quite often say more about the sensory experience mm. than, than some of the things that are more aggressively... I don't yeah. Know. Although the thing that annoyed me about Volume 2, which is about booze, is there's this whole chapter on champagne where they, well, for a start, are wrong about some things, I happen to think, but then describe something that would be quite... Perfectly describable as so transcendently brilliant it requires no words, and that they just have a few panels of people looking smart, and I'm just like, well, um, I actually no. Paul to Lovecraft. It's actually just carbonated Chardonnay, like however much you love Champagne, it's carbonated Chardonnay, and you can talk about that.
2: I'm also fascinated by the cultural prestige and perception of Champagne in Japan, as distinct from its kind of place in Western culture. I don't know how different or same that is. Um, the
1: comic is about that. Okay, um, but in a slightly weird way. Bear in mind, it's also from the 80s and 90s. Yeah,
0: started the, right. the, the series started in '87, um, so there will be things will have moved on to a certain extent as mm. well.
1: There's a really good um, chapter about going hunting um, for duck and pairing it with Beaujolais Nouveau. And it, what it's actually about is ageing food. It's about the, the effects of ageing on stuff. And, mm. yeah.
2: What it's really about there is Beaujolais Nouveau. Beaujolais
1: Nouveau tasting shit and freshly caught duck tasting shit because they're both overprivileged by a particular cultural moment which doesn't respect how much better they'd get with age. But
0: The thing you say about the, sort of the, cult- the cultural differences I found interesting because the first volume is largely about sashimi, um, mm. and that
1: whatever the I can't remember the name of it but the Japanese art cuisine style which is heavily focused on
2: yeah,
0: yeah. and it's
2: assuming sort of being like the main deal yeah. and everything else kind of a precursor to it yeah. So, yeah
0: it all it all seemed really fascinating to me so I found, that I found the stuff about food far more interesting than the arc plot that contains mm-hmm. it um, than the
2: fighting with his dad yeah. you mean but
0: it could be complete bollocks um, I just don't have the knowledge of sashimi it's to know that. It's very well referenced, though. So sashimi mm. has really
1: good references at the back that I didn't bother going and cross-referencing, but, you know, it does you can, you can check. have citations. And um, What Did You Eat Yesterday by um, Yish- uh, Yish- uh, by Fumi Yoshinaga uh, also has a similar focus on the highly traditional Japanese food, or it's a little mm. bit more home style. And Between both of those... I'll talk about that a bit more later because it's weird. But um, between both of those, I felt like I just sort of learned a lot from these semi-narrative explanations of mm. Japanese food.
2: Which is interesting because if we go back to recipe comics, the point of recipe comics is surely learn how to make a thing. But mm. what seems to be more interesting is learn about a thing, learn about its cultural place. Yeah, and it what, it a so it food.
1: what it means to
2: people. Yeah, through I a story and a comic. I,
0: I like. think part of the problem with some of the sort of recipe comics that we've seen either online or um um, printed is that they are formulaic and they don't have the time or the space to do that thing that Oshimbo does where it goes into incredible detail on the bits you need to concentrate on. They are sort of recipes reduced to rote instruction mm. which is I mean, just not the sort of recipes I read. Maybe people prefer that if if they feel that they need to just go step by step through something. I just it's not it what I read. The picture
2: ain't going to help. Yeah. Well, yeah, I
1: food writing if you're interested in food a lot of food writing is, is, is interesting that's that's like tautologically fat fatuous but and you can sometimes extract recipes from it like I my pasta recipe comes from a side remark in Bill Buford's book Heat yeah. it's food writing can be sort of weirdly incisive like that but
2: I once asked a friend where his mother's pumpkin pie recipe came from and he asked her and it turned out it was the one on the side of the Libby's can and that's okay
0: but We, I mean sort of growing, growing up in my house we had a lot of recipe books and a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of interesting food and a lot of food that wasn't necessarily common in the 70s and 80s but then we also had stuff that was produced by dairy councils we had the Mm. like 10-minute microwave cookbook and things like that. Did you have
2: like the dairy like year planner that also had recipes in it? Because my grandma had a ton of those, like it's time to get the fuck
0: over condensed milk. You're going to be eating some condensed milk. I don't know, I'm coming back
2: round to it.
1: I think we were, one of the things we were thinking about was the sort of experience food comics and the way they can draw your attention to Mm. things or to the way people, the way they fit into people's lives or to people's cultures. Yeah which seems to be a lot more interesting than lettuce with a cute face jumping into a saucepan.
2: No, it sounds cute.
1: <laughs> yeah, but also shit. I read What Did You Eat Yesterday? And that was like a shinbo for unreconstructed yaoi fans. Which I'm sure
2: are a subset. Yeah, it was just a bit too wolf t-shirt. I just...
1: The stuff about food was, was good and was interesting. It's, it's this, it's by, I mentioned it earlier, it's by um, Fumi Yoshinaga, and it's by, about these two characters, uh, Shiro and uh, Kenji, and they are theoretically a middle aged gay couple in Tokyo. Uh, one of them's a lawyer, one of them's a hairstylist.
2: Theoretically middle aged, theoretically gay, theoretically in Tokyo? Like, which subset of those things is theoretical? Well,
1: theoretically, a realistic example of any of it. Right. Um, in particular, they're kind of young and twinky, and it's supposed to be a plot point that they look younger than they are. And I think what that's like aiming to be about is that their good diet keeps them looking young and sexy, but actually it just goes to kind of a weird fat shamey place.
3: Mm, and there's this whole
1: bunch of stuff in it which I can't tell is either bad writing or a reasonably sort of pointed dissection of modern Japan's semi but slightly botchedly liberal attitude to homosexuality. Mm. I can't tell if it's an interesting and cr- and useful deconstruction of those attitudes or if it's just a bit kind of someone not writing gay characters very well Mm. I I just don't have the context for that it could also be a translation issue
3: Mm.
1: but they they have slice of life stuff in their day jobs and then come home and cook only um, Shiro's kind of a borderline emotionally abusive dick that's bad yeah they're not I mean, we mentioned a thing earlier about kind of minority characters kind of getting to be assholes. Yeah. yeah. But this, like, I think he's supposed to be charming, but it's just, he's not very nice to Kenji.
2: On the one hand, he does get to be an asshole. On the other hand, it's not nice to not be nice to your significant other. I
1: just, I I only read the first volume. I might buy the next one, at least because it's not expensive and it's kind of fun. But... um... The food stuff was less well-explained than Shimbo. but he yeah. did the same thing of pulling into tighter focus, like less cartoony, more exacting. But he's just sort of an asshole to his boyfriend. Which does distract you from the food. Mm. Yeah. Well, his, his only way of being sort of emotionally articulate seems to be through cooking, and what well, fuck knows I can relate that to the pathology in my own personal life, but...
2: But on the other hand, also, you need to be good and giving with your words as well as your food
0: to, like, have your relationship not employed. It's a bit like having a meal and having the people at the next table have a huge blazing row. of fucks up the meal. Mm. Or my absolute highlight for that, having someone who just joined Google complaining about how everyone else at Google is an idiot for an hour and a half. Well, having to eat next to someone who's just trying
1: Google is going to be a problem in any context, but that sounds like one of the bad ones.
2: I mean, that's why they have their own multiple canteens, to kind of try and contain them as much as possible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mentioned this, and apparently it's a rite of passage when you're in San Francisco to have one of your meals fucked up by someone from a tech company bitching about everyone else in the tech company.
2: I've probably done it to other people in Cambridge.
1: San Francisco in probably awful forever. Shocker. But lots
2: of tiny dogs.
1: And big dogs. And systemic infrastructure failure.
2: Mm. And dogs of many sizes. Mm. And burritos. But yeah, really no it's got problems. Also really cable good, cars.
1: Yeah, a really good 99% visible episode about how it's all built on like trash.
2: Yeah, and not the Alice Cooper album. No. Sorry, sorry.
1: I, I, got, I got there, he did. Okay. You could have... No, I have never really yeah. heard any music. No, that's I true. Mean, I, I don't really... I don't know what my point is there, other than that, like, it's a slightly worse narratologically written, emotionally problematic version of the same thing, thing Oshinbo's doing, which is slice-of-life stuff padded around lecturers about food, but yet it's... But it's, despite the thinness of that premise, manages to be quite effective. If you like that think- thing,
2: do Oshinbo, and if you like that thing and don't mind it being problematic and want more of that thing, then do this as well. Well no, just read gay hockey pie comics. If you want to look at <laughs> if you want to
1: look at Pretty Boys Having Feels and then hear about pies.
2: Yeah, gay hockey pie comics. And for mm-hmm. the
0: record, because we promised Karen Gillan that is actually called Oh sorry, it's called Check Please. There we go.
2: What did we promise Kieran Gillan? I that don't we remember.
1: Would sometimes. That we would sometimes say the names of the comics we were talking about for an hour so that people could conceivably look them up.
2: I didn't promise that man anything. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, Roger did. That's fine. Lucy, you read uh, a lot more webcomics than we did, which is, I mean, largely what happens now.
2: Yes, because I fuck print media, haven't got room in my house for it. And,
0: you know, you're young and millennial. Yes. Uh, so you get, to, you get to do this. You're part of the Serpent Society. That's true. Tell us about the webcomics, because I, I didn't see any of these.
2: So, um, Drawn Butter by Elle Nichols, I only dipped into briefly, it's another mostly recipes comic with a very heavy bent on cocktails, which again is not for me, but if you want to learn how to make cocktails and you find kind of visual images helpful, it might be a good one. Mm. Um, I do like drinking. Yeah, a lot of people do. Mm. So I found the sort of, I found the recipe style more helpful than I found the Korean recipe style, so I think again it is very much a case of how it's presented within Mm. the comic I think if if I was inclined to make any of those things and I wanted a visual guide, this one would be kind of the style I'd go for. Um, How does it feel for that? Clear, lots of explanation. Um, Like, it uses its words well, and where there are pictures, they're not confusing pictures. Mm. Um, Quite high sort of colour saturation, but not as in your face as the Korean stuff, maybe. Um, So I also briefly dipped into I Think You're Sawsome by Sarah Beacon. (laughs) which um it was interesting so something we've not really come on to yet is the fact that food is also something that's very emotionally loaded in our society oh, okay. like how food and body tie into the way we interact with ourselves and the world and each other um and this one was not that done badly but it had enough of that that I couldn't really properly engage with it so it's somebody who is kind of broadly okay with herself but slightly unhappy with her current weight and it's mostly about the stuff she's eating day to day and she lives in Chicago and she gets a lot of takeout and it sounds fucking delicious but there's also kind of weights and check-ins about weights and it's not in the bad shamey toxic way but even a smidge of that is kind of off-putting for me right and I think that's also kind of very much where it started because later on She's tending to do more sort of less frequent deep dives on a particular food, and it's less of a kind of diary comic about herself and what she's eating. So I think I'd probably maybe go back and pick it up in the middle if I was to try it again. Okay. Um, but it's it's nice it's nice to look at. She does eat a hell of a lot of delicious looking things. She's mm. a lady of lots of good restaurants nearby. Yeah,
0: Chicago is fucking incredible. Yeah, like Chicago's garbage food is pretty good.
2: She's talking about, you know, I need to go to a place and there's two branches of this place and one is near the best taco place and one is near the best Korean grocery and I just can't decide which one to go to. And <laughs> it is the food that is making my choice for yeah. me. Yep, yep. Which, yes, no, I, I can relate If I lived somewhere that I
1: had food, I would do that.
2: So I also, um, I read Modern Fried Snake, which is by Ryan what? Armand. Yes, that's... Yes. Um... It's baffling.
1: Modern Fried Snake.
2: Yes. Explain. I'm not sure that I can. It's baffling. So. So you've
0: put a note on the notes, which is just, it's weird.
2: And then a link. Yeah. And the link is to a guy talking about how when he was younger they said don't pickle owls, and he was like, but I did it anyway, I pickled some owls, and now I'm fine. <laughs> um, which is broadly indicative of the tone of the comic.
1: So. I was thinking, I, I read that that one, the, that one that you linked to with the pickled owls, and I was kind of like. That one is unusually coherent. This is like or Slater does Akewood.
2: Interesting. So one of the issues with it is that the original site it was hosted on is down. So I was reading it from a mirror where they only managed to scrape the first few whole stories and then kind of pages and snatches from later on. Mm. It's set in what I think we are meant to believe is Japan, in what I think we are meant to believe is the sort of pre-modern, maybe kind of on the verge of modern era. Mm. But it's not very strongly placed mm. like that. So the it, it focuses on a young woman called Rag who um has a street food cart where she makes fish heads bird heads and snake heads on a stick and you can have any combination mm-hmm. you like but some people find this gross
1: really
2: yeah so everybody who's making food in this is making weird food mm-hmm. the pickled owl guy being the other example and it okay kind of,
1: this is good
2: yeah but i don't really know where it goes if anywhere like it's I got no emotional payoff from it whatsoever because it was just so sort of odd and incomplete mm. um, it's very sort of sparse in detail so it kind of follows her and the first story arc is she loses her cart because of reasons so then she has to get the money to buy a new car so she can keep selling her mm. snakeheads but eventually she gets rich from doing it and I think becomes a modern girl but I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> because it got kind of patchy around then. I know nothing else about it. It is very strange. This sounds so bizarre. You should go and have a look and see what you think. I might. Yeah. Modern fried snake.
0: Modern fried snake. Disgusting or imaginary food does seem to be a thing as well. So that's where I was getting to. boom. Boom. Did you segue for you? Thank you. Please continue.
2: I read two things that deal with kind of cookery of made up food. One of which was Ruth Baker Adventure Chef, which I think you guys also read. Yeah. Did you read the print version or the online version? Print
0: version. I, Half got, tones. I got the print, um, okay. which is slightly different. It's coloured and... It's uh, slightly reworked in places yeah. as
2: well, I think. Yeah, so I was reading the online version because I skimped and did my homework
0: yesterday. And it's only, it's only notionally about food, but it's definitely about the love of food.
2: It would also have been good for fantasy. Like, it's surprisingly yeah. good fantasy.
0: Yeah, so it's very much... Um, it's very much in all ages... Um, book and it's just absurdist humour done well. What is that thing we talk about fantasy, pleasing. intermediated through a pre-existing knowledge it's of pop culture fantasy. Very yes. yeah, it's very much the quests happen from inns. There are different mm. races, some of whom are super strong or super magical.
2: Have their own different yeah. mythology. Yeah, but also it's got that thing of you're starting to see more stuff pop up now. Like there's that game where you're the guy running the shop for adventurers. Mm. Yeah, there's As a lot you, of like meta- shop quest or inquest yeah. or something. And, um, yeah, people are starting to take different elements and use them as lenses for fantasy. It's not just focused on the hero. So this guy, Rutabaga, he's a travelling chef who goes around having adventures trying to find the tastiest foods, all of which are fictional.
1: So he goes with them
0: to kill the dragon because he wants to know what dragon tastes like. Yes. Which is just kind of adorable. And should kids be enamoured of it, there are little recipes in the back of it which like, get coloured chocolate... And half a banana and you've made blood covered dragon's claws and things like that and it's Splendid. It's, it's kinda
2: nice. It's kind I mean energy. it's just
0: it's just lovely.
2: Yeah, it was re- I really, really liked it. Like much more than I expected to given the premise and what I knew of it beforehand. Mm. Well derpy and charming is a thing. Mm.
1: And I love the fact that everyone's constantly like, he's such a goofball. All yes. the, all the proper yeah. adventurers are like, who
2: is this douche? And then he
3: accidentally saves the it's day. It's like you're
2: five feet tall and round and not very muscly and you can't do anything. And it's like, yeah, but I can save the day with my cooking. Always mm. in like a sort of clever and unlikely way. Mm.
0: I um. It's completely off topic, but my favourite bit of that was just a bunch of adventures getting back to the king, having done stuff, and the first thing the king does is goes up to one of them and is like, hey, how's your mum? She said anything about me? (laughs) Yes, I (laughs) made a (laughs) gun. That was was really great. Tell her I
2: said hi. (laughs) No, I thought the king character was great, and there's a lot of sort of like cutesy, goofy stuff in it, so if you like cutesy or goofy, this is probably the one for you. And the half-tones. It's really no pretty, heart, is yeah, liked, the colouring's really on the pretty. the web, though. I was oh, black and white on the web? Yeah, all, all sort of black and kind of yellow background tone. Mm.
0: So it started as a web webcomic, and the webcomic um, persists as chunks of the different volumes of the books, mm. um, so they're not all up anymore, they're, they're mm. sort of compiled into yeah. books, but you can read them as previews, basically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a shame that I read Rutabaga first, because I then read Wanton Soup, and I was much less impressed with the made-up food.
0: It's sort of, yeah. Well, Wanton Soup is, is a sort of uh, sci-fi tale with a similar sort of thing. Guy in space in partaking of high-pressure cooking contests, but he's, he's given up that life. And Trying the life to find
2: of, interesting food around the galaxy. Yeah, he's now a
0: trucker.
1: I'm now picturing and, the chef episode of Futurama with Helmet Sparkle.
2: It's worse than that. I don't know, I thought it was fucking hot, salty garbage.
0: I enjoyed the story, but it doesn't... The, the sort of nonsense food didn't work for me in the same it's way. It's like
2: a glarble of yes. But it was But it wasn't just the nonsense food. I mean, yeah. I found the writing kind of... bad, I guess. The... Gender politics was also
0: bad. It's been a very long t- time since I read it, so I don't remember. Who wrote it? James Stokoe. Oh, okay. Godzilla yeah. in Hell yeah, and Hell.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, just didn't, it didn't seem to have any particular kind of emotional character depth. Like, the, the world seemed to have been made, the thing we were talking about earlier, to have been made for the sake of making a big world. Hmm. But there was no real, hmm. like, how does this work as an underlying structure. And I wasn't really given any reason to care at any point.
0: I think that's that's fair. Um, it certainly. It wasn't. I, it was not looking? for
2: me. I think like it definitely was not made with me in mind as a reader.
0: Nothing you're saying isn't un- is unreasonable. I enjoyed it more than I've enjoyed a lot of manga, but I think that's because I was trying to get my money's worth. Yeah, this is um, one of the things
1: I didn't get to, and now I don't feel so bad.
0: I I, I enjoyed it more than Lucy did. That I remember, but I've not read it in a few years, mostly because Lucy's had it.
2: Yeah, I forgot to bring Um, it back as well. I've had it since probably as long as this podcast has been going, sorry. Mm. Um, I did read it, though, finally.
0: The artwork is something that I love. I really like James Stokoe's style. And it's a rare thing of his that's not actually in colour. But he has gotten better since then. Good. Uh, I mean,
2: yeah, it was the sort of first big published thing as well. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it might have originally been Tokyo Pop I think it might might, from the landfill days I'm not 100% of this but it might have been one of the um, original English mangas that they did in the days Mm. where they were really quickly going down the pan Mm. Um, because the rights got stuck for a long long time and it only just got reissued like it um, the original manga format ones were worth hundreds of pounds for a while probably should have sold it Um, and it got reissued as a complete thing a couple of months ago Um, but yeah it's an early work and sort of more of an interesting thing for Stokoe completists Mm. than anything else
2: talking of things that it takes us a long time to get to you guys were you were really like deep into Chew when we first started doing this yeah. Yeah. and I just read it and it's great (laughs) Isn't it? Like I just read volume one and I, it's it's wonderful. It's I really like it. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's so
1: dopey and adoring.
2: Yes. Also, I mean I it let me predict the twist, but I also really enjoyed that, because mm. the twist wasn't the point of it, yeah. it was the journey.
1: It was seeing how it plays out as opposed to the
2: surprise. Yeah, exactly. Like you can tell, like fucking I mean they described as the the um Mason's character as being yeah. like, Orson Welles meets a bear, mm. and you know that guy ain't going to be just good news. <laughs> yeah. And horrible things
1: happen, but in such a sort of odd, scrambled way.
2: Mm. No, I'm definitely going to carry on with it. Is it worth going all the way?
1: I'm not current, okay. but I would say yes.
0: Yeah, and I think of so. Some it goes proper off the deep end. Mm. It's got... The episode I mean, like where anything. they take space drugs and bug out. Yeah, that's interesting. Ooh. It's It's got some slightly fallow patches, but they're still enjoyable. The
1: worst it is is more of the same filler that isn't advancing the, the art plot. Yeah. The, that's The worst it gets is, oh, it's some more Chew.
2: Which, yeah, which I think is fine. And also you've got a kind of a premise so interesting that is being done mm. so well that if you just spend a while not advancing the plot and just kind of dicking around with that, that's going to be good too, right?
1: Yeah. And the, the weird... So for people that aren't familiar with, with Chew... Uh, it's a screwball detective story in a world in which superpowers are all food based. So Tony Chew is a cyber Yes. Um, so anything he eats he can kind of see its past and then sort of maybe a bit magically future.
2: So he eats an apple and he gets the pesticides, he eats a corpse and he gets its secrets. Yeah,
1: he can chew corpses to discover how they died to solve murders. And then it emerges that there are lots of other weird ass food powers in this
0: world. It's an interesting book. It's also really gross. Um,
2: yeah, there's a lot of like puking and like dead stuff, and yeah. I do know I'm very fortunate in that that stuff doesn't make like I'm easily nauseated in a lot of ways, but reading comics is not one of them. So that's good. good. Yeah,
1: it's so like Saturday morning cartoony about it, though. Mm. It's got that kind of Invader Zim ish sort of. It's
2: grotesque if you think about it for a minute, but it's being done in such a lurid turned mm. up to eleven way. It's also I think an art style that I would like a lot less if the writing weren't so great. So this is true. That that with that style with a bad story, bad writing, I would probably write mm. off, but actually it's I barely even noticed mm. that I wasn't that into yeah. the style. Like
1: the
0: frogs and the chickens look so weird.
2: <laughs> you also got a like a good amount of government conspiracy in yeah. there, which I love.
0: Well yeah, you have got the... stupid background details. Stupid background details everywhere, so much dumb stuff going on. A giant outbreak of avian flu has led
1: to chicken being illegal and the FDA being the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world, mm. ex- second only to NASA later when something else, something weird happens.
2: You've also got the woman whose power is being able to translate writing about food so intensely that yeah. people experience the food, and she's currently using it for evil yeah. by describing the most rancid food she can, ruining the newspaper's readership. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's it's that kind of playground
1: pettiness escalated mm. to superpowers. I love it. And it's, I, again, take some ideas about the experience of food and extend them into one direction or bake them into something else. Yes. Like this is an extrusion of the joy of food
2: experience. And it's much more interesting to me than a recipe comic will ever be.
0: And also there's a whole bunch of stuff about eating corpses.
2: That's true. Everyone loves eating corpses. Everyone likes a little necrotic nibble.
0: Not 100% that sure that's true. In summary, there are a surprising number of comics about food.
2: Is it surprising though, given how like necessary and all pervading food is, is the surprise maybe just that we hadn't really thought about it?
1: Well, the surprise to me is that so many recipe comics are so shit. But again, if you think about it as an information delivery mechanism. Mm.
0: I think it's not ideal. And so I really don't think there's much that I would use. And the sort of the golden age, which I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who recognizes this, uh, of recipe comics sort of five, six, seven years ago, was stuff that you could pack on in layers or make in two minutes. Mm. Um, it was that sort of stack things in a bowl. Delicious numb tiny cartoon you've got a seven dip, which is the sort of the equivalent of that beautiful shiny time before we saw those endless fucking facebook videos of two hands shot from above making something that's got far more cheese than a human colon can reasonably digest
1: the only one of those I've ever not hated is black metal vegan chef
0: so I don't mind I don't mind the ones they've made as videos, it's just that the the endless content farms that have sprung up to make cooking videos which are mm-hmm. hands shot from above stirring shit in a bowl and telling you it's fucking delightful.
2: Ship that to BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed ship that back to the guys, let's make more content, let's share it let's everywhere. Let's do some content. Mm. We're what are doing, your social metrics. We're doing Could we do content? our own and then it's just ends up being like horrible dildos and lizards? Yeah. Okay. Just a big bowl of dildos and lizards. Yeah. <laughs> indiscriminate dildos and
0: lizards. So look forward to to that, the uh, the, the video about the dildos and lizards or potentially uh, our new black metal band, indiscriminate dildos and lizards. <laughs> Does anyone else feel like they've got any sort of summing up to do, any sort of thesis? Roger, you look pregnant with whimsy.
1: No, I just, I'm congratulating myself and not going off on one. Well
0: done. Quite. You can join in at home if you feel feel like you should. Because the thing I can go off around without really annoying me.
2: <laughs> you can say it in the pub, you know. It's mm-hmm. like therapy. Well, that, that, it that's costs s- roughly as much, but you get a hangover as well.
0: I think that that's it then. I think we're going to go and get some food. Ah, uh, no. see, because we need to eat to maintain no, our no, mortal no, frames. No, that's true. We, we
1: already had quite a lot of that cheese.
0: Well, I'm going to eat some fucking food.
2: I'm going to put more cheese in me. Night milk or no night milk. So? Night or day milk.
0: We're, we're, we're going to come back to you and, and don't forget to, to eat your night milk. Do you know three where the end of the mall Yeah.